It's good to see everybody this morning. We're glad that you're here. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and to, to share a little bit of, of my thoughts out of God's Word with you this morning. Hopefully we'll have something that you'll be able to use as you go along life's way. I want to talk to you this morning about having peace in our lives, and I think that's a subject that is, that is very, very relevant to the time that we live in and what is going on in our world today. You know, I got up and I forgot to take my mask off, and uh, you know the first time I ever saw that? I, believe it or not, I was in New York City, really. And uh, anyway, I was going down through Chinatown, and I happened to pick the time to be there during the SARS outbreak. And if you don't know what that is, you'll have to Google it, but it's pretty similar to what we got right now, just a little different strain, I guess. But all these people were standing around, they all had masks on. Well, when I left Texas, nobody was wearing a mask or anything like that. So I thought, well, maybe it's a Chinese thing that, you know, they just all wear masks and things like that. And, you know, I didn't know what was going on with that. Now we're wearing masks because of the, the COVID outbreak. I remember the H1N1, the, what we call the swine flu outbreak. That came along a while back, and, and there were a lot of people that died from that, and it was very serious. I don't remember everybody going to the extent where... Uh, your hand sanitizer went to $4 a bottle instead of a, a you know, pulse buy whenever you go out the door at Walmart. But that swine flu was bad. A hundred years ago in 1918, there was the Spanish flu. And hundreds of thousands of people died. You know what? You can go back into the Bible and it talks about famine. It talks about plagues. It talks about pestilence. Folks, this stuff been going on since I guess there were people. And our generation, we are seeing something that, well, in, in my years I'd never seen where you just shut a whole globe down. I've never seen nothing like that. Now I've heard of a business having to close because of a salmonella outbreak or something like that, but never the whole globe like this. And, but because we haven't seen it before, we think we're the ones that are burdened with it and we're the only ones ever put up with this. You've probably heard about herd immunity. And there's a debate on whether the vaccine's going to be effective as herd immunity. I want you to know herd immunity was what they used in the early days of the Bible. And what that is is everybody gets sick and those that can survive, you know, they have resistance and those that don't, you have a funeral. And that's pretty much herd immunity. That's the way it works. I found out the other day to my chagrin that I'm in the high risk category, being older, and having had open heart surgery, and I told Bev, I said, I said, I had this open heart surgery. If I'm not better than when I started, why did I do it? I can't figure that. I should be in better shape than y'all are, you know, when the way this thing works. But it doesn't. And we got a lot of people scared of this thing. We have a debate over the masks. Whether it's a violation of our First Amendment or something like that, or the or whatever amendment it is that, that you you know, to me. Wearing the mask or something like that has nothing to do with the government and the Constitution. It has to do with protecting ourselves, and we protect ourselves because we're worried about getting this thing and it, it becoming a problem. And I tell people, you do what you want to, but you take care of yourself. You protect yourself. I tell folks that at home all the time. Do what you think you need to do. Here's the deal. I, I, it's not a matter of faith to me. I know we got faith. But don't go pick a fight with the Grim Reaper, folks. I'm going to tell you how you think that's going to work out for you. You know, it's not going to be too good. So we need to do that. But we've had this going on for, for generations, for millennia. 
the other day, they announced that we've got a peace plan in the Middle East. Isn't that good? I am so glad that we finally solved all the problems in the Middle East. I just didn't think it was possible, but I guess I was wrong about that. Do you know the first time I was able to vote was in 1974? Now, I know to some of y'all that's ancient history. That was the year, believe it or not, that Richard Nixon resigned the presidency in August of that year. I mean, kind of a red-letter date there. You know, a lot of stuff happened in 74. Do you know the next election that we had for president was between Ford and Carter, and do you know what they ran on? Who had the best peace plan for the Middle East? And we've been running on a peace plan ever since. Yancey reminded me that while they were signing the peace accord, somebody was bombing Israel. <laughs> we want peace, don't we? And we need peace. The world wants peace. We want peace from all this stuff that worries us and this, this COVID stuff and pestilence and famine. You know, if you watch the, the TV in the Middle East, you'll see hundreds of thousands of people fleeing Middle Eastern countries because they're war-torn. You know, that's not the first time we've had refugees. Did you know that, that Hitler, that Caesar <laughs> made a decree that Jews could not stay in Rome? And that's how Aquila and Priscilla met Paul. They were, kicked, they were refugees. He kicked them out. I assume he just took whatever they had, what they couldn't carry with them. You know, the Exodus is a great story of refugees. And God took care of them out in the, in the wilderness. But this stuff's been going on for a long time, folks. But we can still have peace in our lives. But something's going to have to happen for me and you to have peace in our life. And I want you to look with me to the book of Luke, the ninth chapter, the 52nd verse. And you may think I'm off the rail here, but I want you to stay with me. This is a contrast between the way people are and the way God is. That's what this is. This is a contrast between the way the Lord thinks and the way you and I would think. In verse 52, he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans for to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. You see, we still got this Samaritan Jew thing where neither one liked each other and no one wanted to have anything to do with each other. And this was the case. Jesus was coming through. They send uh, some ambassadors ahead of him, messengers. He's coming, but he's going to Jerusalem. They said, well, if you're going to go mess with him, you ain't coming with us. Okay. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? And, but he turned, that is Jesus, and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now, I would like to tell you that in this situation, I would be the Lord. But that would be a lie. I want you to know that. I can relate totally to what the disciples said there. Lord, let's just bring fire from heaven and let's be done with these knuckleheads and we'll move on about our business of preaching. But I'll tell you what, if you do that, Lord, I'm telling you right now, you only got to do it once to one of these little villages here. It'll send a message to the rest of them and great fear will come upon all the people. You ever read a phrase like that? You better believe it would. That's the way I think about things. And I want you to know, I've actually, in a sense, done this. Have you ever gone cold turkey door knocking, as we call it? Knock on the door. 
People open the door. You introduce yourself. I'm with such and such church. I'm not interested. They slam the door, and you go to the next one. I've actually walked away with my bruised ego, and I said, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. On judgment day, these people are going to stand before God, and they're going to go, we never had a chance to hear. And the Lord's going to say, you remember that fat dude I sent to your house? He wasn't the Avon lady. Well, that's the same thing James and John are doing. Let's call down fire from hell, let, I mean heaven, and let's burn them up. Or let's say when they go before God, but you didn't listen, so you're lost and go to hell. I mean, that's horrible. That's not the way Jesus thinks. Now, folks, if we're going to have peace in our lives, if we're going to obtain true peace, we've got to change the way we think. That's the moral of this story. The Lord doesn't think like we do. His ways are higher than our ways. And we've got to learn His ways. Our life has to be hid with God in Christ. We're dead to ourselves, and we live to Him. In Isaiah 53 and 5, I think it's interesting, this is a prophecy about the Lord. And it says, our peace was upon him. And now that's the verse. If you keep reading there, you're going to read about by his stripes we were healed and all the, all the suffering the Savior was going to go through. And by the way, you go to 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23, you'll have the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. But I think it's interesting that the writer worded it, our peace is upon him. You see, I can't bring peace to myself. If it's up to me, we're not going to live in a peaceful world. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have problems. And spiritually, definitely cannot bring peace to ourselves. But he can. And that's why it's so important that we have got to change who we are. And that means we've got to change it up here. And it's going to be a constant battle. We're not going to be perfect at it. There's going to be times that, that we mess up. But the Lord taught a great lesson to the apostles there. I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I don't want them lost. I don't want to burn them up. And they went to another, another village. Proverbs 28 and 1, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. You know what that is, folks? And we've all been here. That's a guilty conscience. You ever had a guilty conscience? I think we all have at one time, haven't we? The wicked flee when no man pursueth. He's always looking over his shoulder. Who's going to find out? He's got a guilty conscience. Are we doing that? That's the enemy of peace, folks. A guilty conscience is going to be the enemy of peace. We need to make it right first with God. I've always thought it was interesting that David, when he talked about his sin with Bathsheba in Psalms 51, against thee and thee alone have I sinned. First thing you do is you make it right with God. And then you make it right with who you need to if it's possible to do that. And we get over the guilty conscience. Proverbs 12 and 20, in the heart of the evil, deceit is in the heart of the evil, but counselors of peace is joy. Those that devise the evil, they're not going to have peace. And if you follow the world's way of teaching and leaning on this stuff, you will never have peace in your life. It will never, ever happen. There's a lot of conflict in our world. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, and y'all can disagree with me if you want to, but there's a thing called being politically correct. 
Do you know how easy it is to offend somebody these days? Everybody's offended. We're all victims, you know that? I was filling out a form a while back, and they wanted me to list what I was. I put Native American. I ain't never been nowhere but here. <laughs> how can I be European? I've never been European. I'm not European. I'm Native American. I'm not Native Texan, but I got here as quick as I could. So, you ever see people like that? Do you know why we have men's names for hurricanes? Because we call them hurricanes. Well, we solved, we solved sexism by doing that. Now, did you know now we're going to Greek words? Beta is fixing to hit or did hit? It's real easy in the world to have turmoil and conflict. And there's not going to be peace. You see people marching around with a sign that says, no justice, no peace. I always wonder what they meant by justice. Do you believe that somebody's innocent to prove him guilty? That's according to the law of the land. Not those guys on TV. They're not innocent. We need to hang them. It's, all, it's one step above a lynch mob, folks. It really is. That's the peace of the world. And you're never going to have peace in your heart, in your soul, in your life, as long as you're following the world. It just can't be done. Definition of peace. Freedom from disturbance, tranquility. My dad worked on the moonshot in 69 when they went up to the, to the moon, which I'm living proof that intelligence will skip a generation every now and then. But he worked on the moonshot. And do you know one of the places they landed was this big plain area? We called it a plain. The whole, to me, the whole moon's a plain. I mean, I didn't see a true one on that thing. But they got out there in the sea of tranquility. And that was the first time a human had set foot on the moon. And there was no turmoil. There was no conflict. There was no refugees. There was none of those things. And they called it the Sea of Tranquility. It was peaceful. It was a good place, I suppose. I read in Matthew 5 and 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I'm going to tell you what our churches need. We need peacemakers, folks. I'm going to tell you what our families need. We need peacemakers. I read a story about an Indian chief by the name of Joseph. And General Crook had fought in the Civil War for the North and freed a lot of people, but he chased this nest person and he couldn't catch him. He was always one step ahead of him until they were 30 miles from the Canadian border and this blizzard hit. And Joseph sent the young men and the young families, he sent them on. But he had sick and old and very young that couldn't make the trip and he said, I'm not gonna leave my people. General Crook went out there to meet Joseph and Joseph came out with his weapons and he threw them down and he said, I will fight no more forever. And they looked at General Crook at what he was going to do and he goes, you know, the last war I was on the right side. But I'm not so sure about this one. But I adopted that a few years ago, a number of years ago. I will fight no more forever. It's easy to get into fights. It's easy to have conflict. It's easy to give somebody a piece of your mind and tell them what you really think. It's easy to get physical, folks. Well, for some of us it was, not anymore, but it was at one time. That's easy. But the peace of God that passes all understanding is not going to be that way. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
They'll be called the children of God. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, My peace I give you, not with the world. No, there's going to be conflict with the world. The world's going to have its conflict. It's going to go on and do its thing. It's going to be the world. But we don't got to be part of that. That's what the Lord said. I'm going to show you a better way. And I'm going to give you real peace in your heart and in your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, division, folks, defeats peace. Where there's division and divisiveness, there is not going to be peace in our lives. You cannot have divisions and things like that going on and expect to have peace with God. You can't do it. Division defeats peace. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it had been declared unto, uh, unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I of Apollos, I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he goes on. One of the problems they had at Corinth, they couldn't have peace, was they couldn't get along. I'm of Peter. I'm of Paul. Now, you know, Paul said, these things have I treated in a figure, as an example, transferred to myself and Apollos, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. If you keep reading, you'll, you'll find that. I thought, okay, this has to be a first century problem. I mean, they follow their favorite apostle, right? I want you to know I met a fellow recently. And he said, I do not follow any teachings in Scripture except that of Paul. He said, I'm a Gentile. Paul went to the Gentiles. I don't listen to Peter, James, or John. And he goes, Jesus went to, went to Jews. I don't listen to him unless Paul tells me to. Literally. And I told him, I said, well, me and you can't get along then because I'm of Peter. And I thought, you know, surely the lights would come on. You don't got to hit somebody with an anvil, do you? It never happened. It never He goes, well, you may want to follow Peter, but I'm following Paul. And we left it at that. <laughs> Folks, division. Is Christ divided? That's the question. Division is going to cause defeat. It's going to defeat peace with God. It's going to defeat peace with the brethren. It's going to de defeat peace with ourselves, our homes, our marriages. You know, in, in, in the Bible, the scriptures tell us that when we marry, we become one. Division will defeat peace. In Isaiah 32, 17, I really like this. The work of righteousness is peace, quietness, assurance forever. That's the work of righteousness. Now, how are we going to be righteous? I can't do it on my own. I, I don't think I have to tell you that. The only way I'm going to do it is to follow him and to be like him. That's the way we're going to have that quietness, that peace, that assurance forever. Now, I'm going to give you something here to think about. This ain't going to just happen. And I know that ain't a proper word. It's not going to just happen in your life. I want you to know that. If you're going to have peace, you're going to work at it. In 1 Peter chapter 3, I really like this reading. I'll read it ever so often to remind myself what I need to be. 
in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind. See, there's that defeat division thing. Having co compassion one of another, love as brethren, to be pitiful, be courteous. That's how you defeat division. With those things. You know why some people have problems? We're just flat rude to each other. We're not courteous. We're flat out rude. And you know what we do? We're flat out rude to each other, and we, talk, we think we've done God a service. That defeats peace in your life. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrary-wise, blessing. Knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For, now, I want you to listen to this. For he that will love life and see good days. Now, folks, if that ain't the goal, you tell me what is. He's going to tell you how to love life and see good days if we'll just listen. Let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. And I want you to listen to this. And let him seek peace and ensue it. Seek it? It's not going to just happen. You're going to have to become a peacemaker. You're going to have to become like him. Now, what does he mean by the lips and all that stuff? I take you to the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That would not have been my thought. I want you to know that. That would not have been what I wanted for those folks. I don't want him, hey, let's get the fire now, buddy. Let's do it now. This is the time. That's not what the Lord did. Let him eschew evil. Let him do good. Let him seek peace. In James chapter 3, in James chapter 3, he's going to list some things here that I think is interesting for us to look at. James chapter 3. I want you to look at verse number 17 with me. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Like all those good things, is that what we want in our life? He tells you how to do it. He, t he contrasts this a little bit later. He contrasts this with the, what comes from the world, how bad it is. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. We have the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Stay with me. I'm not off the rail yet. 1 Corinthians 13, we have the love chapter. You know, the love chapter tells us that love does not hold a grudge. I heard a story years ago. Uh, I, I, I buy these flowers ever so often and it seems to make her happy so I like that and I do that my mom come by one time and she said your daddy never buys me flowers and my dad come in and goes yeah I did buy you flowers 40 years ago I bought you some flowers and I'm not making this stuff up 40 years ago I bought you some flowers and you thought I must have done something that I needed to tell you about and thought that I'd done evil. And I decided, if that's the way you're going to react, I ain't ever doing it again. We don't hold a grudge. No. No. <laughs> We're all over it, baby. It's settled. I have forgiven that one, right? Forty years, people. Now, that's an extreme one. But how many people die with a grudge in their heart? 
Is that what the Lord wanted? You know, the Lord says if your brother sins against you, go try to win your brother. Now, flip that coin over, and this is where my brethren get in trouble in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, of all places. If you know your brother has a problem with you, leave your gift on the altar and go make peace with your brother. You know what we do? If he got a problem, let him come to me. No, we don't have problems with this, do we? How many times you heard that? I'm going to cut the wood and let the chips fall where they may. My dad used to have a saying. He said, if I rub the cat the wrong way, let the cat turn around. <laughs> Isn't that exactly what we're talking about? And then we wonder why we have turmoil and conflict in our lives, folks. Because, see, that's the way we are naturally. That's the way I am naturally. But that's not the way the Lord wanted us to be. And to, be, to have that peace in our lives that we can lay down at night knowing that no matter what happens, we're at peace with God. We're at peace with our brethren. I'm at peace with the world. Now, they may have problems with me, but I don't have a problem with them. That's peace. Tranquility. And that's a good feeling. The ultimate peace, Ephesians 2.14. If you read Ephesians 2, he tells you where we were. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel without God, without hope in the world. See, up to that point, the salvation had been to the Jews, but now he says it's to everyone. And by the blood of Christ, you're made nigh. You're made citizens. You're made partakers of that heavenly glory. The ultimate way to have peace in your life is make sure you're a Christian. Make sure you're there. That will bring more peace to you than anything you can do. You can't control other people, folks. Whether they do right or wrong, that's okay. But you can control you. And you can decide what you want to be. And you can decide if you want to be a Christian or not. You can decide if you want to take on this Christ-like life and try to become more like him every day. God's given you that choice. And he's offered that salvation for the last 2,000 years. So we are going to have a peace plan. And I want you to know we got one that works. And it brings real peace in our lives, our homes, and our spiritual world and our peace with our God. And that is to accept him, obey the gospel, and then follow him and let yourself become like Christ. If you're here this morning, we can help you. Please come as we stand and sing.